we're in a series at the moment called Behind the Music, Scriptures That Shape Our Songs. And when I planned this series, I had no idea we'd be saying goodbye to Aaron on week two. Oops, could have planned that a little bit better uh, if I had foreknowledge and insight or if God had let me know. Um, But on the other hand, maybe if I had known it, it still would have been a good series to do because it carries us forward as a church into our next season of worship and music ministry. So what is next for our church with worship and creative arts? Uh, Well, the, the summary is I don't know. I genuinely don't know. There are some options and there are some ideas, um, but I really don't know. And there's nothing super clear that we're jumping into. Um, But I would love to re-advertise and to re-employ someone to, with a dedicated role, lead this area. Um, But I'm pretty sure we can't. Again, still working out the details, um, and the pastoral leaders will meet next week and look at kind of last year's finances and this year's budget. Um, but from what we can tell so far, it looks like that this, the nature of our church has changed in the last few years. Our church community is smaller than it was, and subsequently giving isn't as high as it was. So I'm pretty sure we're not going to be able to re-employ directly um, to replace Aaron and his role. Uh, and... So um, the way that our church works is that we rely almost entirely on the generosity of each of us, each person, each family unit, to give as we're able. That's how how I give and how each of us does. Uh, And so as I stand before you now, and we'll talk more about this in the weeks and months to come, that I don't have a sense that our church isn't giving. Um, I just have a sense that our church has changed and the dynamics are different than they were, you know, one, two, three years ago. But just as a reminder and encouragement, all that we believe the New Testament and God asks of us is to bring our finances before God with complete trust in him and surrender to him. And then ask him for inspiration, for guidance in how we can be generous towards our church community. Because it's as each of us do that, that we're able to then do things together. And so I trust God that he'll provide for my needs as a person and for my family. And we as a church trust God that God will provide for our needs and whatever it is that he wants us to do together. So in the short term, Matt Miller, our executive pastor, will step back into coordinating the worship and creative arts ministries, which he's done for most of the time that I've been part of our church. And we'll, uh, he and I will work together with our worship leaders and our musicians to talk and think and pray and figure out the way forward. And I'd love to invite you to consider how you could be part of that. Whether you play the triangle, ding, Or you can sing four-part harmonies or anywhere in between. Uh, Matt or I would love to have a conversation with you about how you could play a part in that as we move forward. But but worshipping God has always been important to our church since way before I got here 10 or so years ago. And in some seasons, we've had full bands. We, you know, during COVID, we took the opportunity to build the stage and make it bigger because we've had big teams of musicians, even drums in a whole drum kit from time to time. Uh, And other times, other seasons, we've just had one instrument and one singer. And sometimes that's been the same person playing an instrument and singing. And that's been the way that we have been led in singing and in worship. But it's always been important to our church, the music that we make together. The way we raise our voices together in song is important as we offer praise to God. And that creates an opportunity to encounter him in worship. It creates an environment of hearing his voice and experiencing his presence. And so we're going to keep doing that and keep asking for his guidance and his provision as we do that. 
But but as as we get to the message today in this series, the songs that we sing aren't chosen accidentally. Each of the songs that we sing has a foundation in the Bible. And so we want to dig deeper into the stories and the passages to grow our understanding and appreciation of the Bible, but also grow our desire to worship God through song. And today I want to explore the song that we sang just before we took communion together. It's called This I Believe or The Creed. And one of my favorite lines in the song is, I believe in life eternal. It's in the bridge towards the end of the song. I believe in life eternal. And not, it's not my favorite line because of what the line means. It's my favorite line because when the song first came out, we listened to it in the car before we sang it at church. So no lyrics. We didn't know what the words were. And one of my kids thought it was and sang along with that line, I believe in the lovely turtle. <laughs> so I believe in life eternal. I believe in the lovely turtle. Sounds very similar, and God created both of them. So that's my favorite line in the song, and I won't dwell on that too much. But I want to tell you first the backstory, like the recent backstory to the song, and that begins nine years ago on the 4th of January 2014. A man named John Dixon wrote a tweet on Twitter at 3.27 p.m. on that Saturday afternoon. He wrote, Dear at Hillsong, Could your brilliant songwriters please put the Apostles' Creed to inspiring music? Do world Christianity a massive favor. John Dixon is a professor in ancient history. He's an Anglican minister. And at the time of writing that tweet, he was the founder and director of the Center for Public Christianity. And for years of listening to and reading John, I've said that he is the best public witness for Christianity in our country. He has this incredible ability to take everything that he knows about archaeology and ancient history and studying the Bible, all of the depth of the Christian faith, and bring all of that in a way and present it that is able, an ability to understand and someone's able to grab hold of no matter what their background is. It's fantastic. And by the end of that day, by the end of 4th of January 2014, Hillsong's global worship pastor, Cass Langton, and then later songwriter Ben Fielding had replied that they would have a go. Now, since 2014, a lot has happened with Hillsong Church, and we're not going to go into that today, but I celebrate that church's commitment to creating new worship music for churches over decades. And so it's pretty cool that John Dixon, representing all the ancient history of the Apostles' Creed, which we'll explain in a minute, connected with Hillsong to create the song that we sing together today. So let's rewind a couple thousand years. The, how the original ancient unifying statement of the Apostles' Creed came about. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus had risen from the dead. His disciples had found the tomb empty. And then in their confusion, because they still didn't understand what was happening, they remembered that he told them to go to Galilee after all this had happened. So they go to Galilee and they go to a mountain and it says that Jesus met them there. Matthew 28 verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And therefore, because of that, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples. Teach them to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." would have been incredible for them to see the risen Jesus in his risen body, to hear him say those things, to hear him give them the great commission. 
his parting instructions, go and do this. And we know from the next book after the Gospels, the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, that's what they did. The disciples who followed Jesus became the apostles who were sent out by Jesus and they went and did exactly what he'd said. And church history or church tradition tells us that on the day of Pentecost, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues and 3,000 people also believed and were baptized, that on that day or in that period of time, the apostles wrote the Apostles' Creed. And, and we don't know for sure. We'll get in a minute to what we do know, but that's what tradition or history suggests, that each of them added one particular statement to what became the Apostles' Creed. And creed is just from a Latin word meaning this I believe. This is what I believe. And so they got together, and, and you could imagine them, you know. Remember, in those days, they, they didn't all have phones, so it wasn't like they could draft it. Everyone pull out your phone and like pull it, open the notes up. Everyone have a go. Like what's the most important thing that we believe about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? All that we've heard, all we've experienced. Everyone write, what, what, let's summarize this. Let's get this down to the most important essentials. Everyone work on your bit. And then, all right, now let's work together. Let's, all right, who's got the final version? I'll, I'll airdrop it to you. You know, Thaddeus, I can't see you. Oh, your Bluetooth is off. Go into settings, turn it on, and then airdrop will work. Oh, James. No, Thomas, the doubter, with an Android phone. <laughs> Can't airdrop to him. I'll copy and paste it into a text and SMS it to you. Now, okay, no phones. They couldn't do that. Didn't even have a whiteboard. Peter couldn't take charge, appoint someone with the neatest handwriting to, to work on the whiteboard, and okay, we've got the final version. Probably not even easy access to a notebook or pencil. These guys, half of them probably couldn't even read. Just think about that for a minute. Half of them couldn't write or read. If Jesus had sent out lesson notes on the Sermon on the Mount, it just would have been scribbles on a papyrus that they couldn't understand. And it was critical, not that they wrote it down. It was critical that they agreed what is the most important things. What are our essentials? What is it that we believe so that they could memorize it and repeat it? And maybe they wrote it down, maybe not. What we do know is that in the second century, there was a briefer version called the Old Roman Creed, very similar to what we have today, that is written down. And then by the fifth century, we have examples of, of the Apostles' Creed pretty much as we use it today. Eventually it was written, but it was designed to be memorized, to be internalized, to be learned. So you, you become a follower of Jesus, you want to be baptized, first learn the most important things. This is what we believe this is the creed and it's a little bit like how some people and this might be you use the 23rd psalm today you know some of you if you're struggling to sleep at night because it's so memorable because it's so such powerful words the lord is my shepherd i have everything i need you bring that to memory and and, and repeat it recite it to yourself or pray it and it, it helps you sleep if you're worried, if you're stressed during the day, you bring those words to mind. The creed and the song is designed with the exact same purpose. Something that could be easily remembered, easily grabbed. Simple summaries of our faith and what we believe. And so we can today sing the song together, but remember the words, sing it in our own heads, put it on in the car, or just remind ourselves of it as a way when everything else seems uncertain. 
When everything else seems bad or upside down or we don't know, when we're doubting, when we're unsure, when we're under attack, we can remember what it is that we believe. I believe in you, we say. I believe you rose again. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the song is short, it's full of meaning, it's easy to remember and to sing in good times and in bad. But the original creed served another purpose in the early church. It served as a defense against heresy or wrong teaching or false beliefs. And and maybe this is what the apostle Peter meant when he wrote later in his first letter in chapter 3 verse 15, he wrote, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So in the early years and decades of the church, there were some really um, big heresies or wrong beliefs. And and they uh, they weren't simple. They were quite profound, but they're, they're big categories. People would go around saying, you know, Jesus wasn't really God. He was just an ordinary man. So like, why are you worshiping him? Why are you prepared to die for him? He was just a bloke. And then on the other, other hand, at different times in history, other people were saying, no, 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 like Jesus, he was God, but he was never actually a human being. Like he couldn't die for your sins. He was just like a ghost or, or an apparition. He wasn't fully God and, and fully man. And, and what's more, someone else would say, oh, no, sure, he was God and man, but you can't just believe in him and follow him. You have to also follow everything else, all of the laws and traditions and customs. If you're a man, you've got to be circumcised. If you're a human being, you've got to keep the Sabbath and keep it all exactly, or you can't be saved. Those were the things that were were going around. And it's different than today. So these days you could find anything you want on the internet. You can read the Bible for yourself and check things out. But back then, no Bibles. There were some copies of the Old Testament kept very safely for people who could read them. But most of us, no hope of reading, no hope of owning a Bible, no hope of being able to write things down, couldn't Google anything. And so when someone new would come to town and teach this stuff, it was a big deal. And so they needed these short, simple summaries, the essentials of our faith, so that people could quickly recall and remember as a defense against heresy or wrong teaching capture the most important things about God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so in the same way today, if you're in a conversation with someone and and they're attacking or challenging your faith and what you believe, uh, it's probably not a great idea just to recite the creed or sing the song at them in their face, just burst into song. I mean, they, they might run away if you're a bad singer, but probably not helpful, but it can be helpful for you to go, no, that, that doesn't sound right to me because Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Oh, that's right. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. These days, I reckon one of the the Gnosticisms, the special knowledges that that we struggle with as a society and sometimes in the church, and and special knowledge is this idea that, you know, um, sure, you believe what you believe, but, but I have some special knowledge. I have something special that you don't know yet, and you need to know what I know. And one of the ones I reckon about the Apostles' Creed is the idea that in history, the church created something like the Creed to control people. 
So, you know, the big, nasty Roman Catholic church with their big gold cathedrals and their important popes with all of their decorations, they just wanted to control the masses. And so because people couldn't read, they controlled them by making up these things that had no foundation. And for sure, the Catholic church has developed some weird things. Like the Pope, uh, what do they call him? Pope Emeritus, the previous Pope. Um, Pope Benedict passed away a couple of weeks ago and you might have seen this thing in the news that they have a tradition for figuring out if the Pope is dead or not. They have a golden hammer and it's someone's job. I can't remember what his role is. It's someone's job who's in the church, in the system, if they think the Pope has died, to take the hammer and, and knock on his head three times and say his first name. Joseph. And if Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, doesn't respond, that's their way of confirming. Like, that's, that's weird, okay? There are, there are other ways. But anyway, back to the original Apostles' Creed. There's a line that trips some people up, and the, 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 the original creed will be on the screen there. It's over in your right-hand side. It says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. And it goes on, the communion of saints, and etc. In the song we sing, and in your holy church. So there's a very simple explanation here for what's going on. The word Catholic is in the original creed because it just means the whole church. It was written and prepared in a time when there was no Catholic and Protestant. There just was the church. It was even written in a time before there was Catholic and Orthodox. It was just written when it was the church and it means the whole church. And so we, it just says that I believe in the church that Jesus instituted, that Jesus began. And so if there's any concern for you about the language, there is no issue here. And that timing means, the timing of before there was any splits or divisions or different denominations or even Eastern Orthodox and and Roman Catholic, before any of that, the church was a lot smaller and really struggling and under persecution. They didn't come up with this creed to control people. They didn't come up with this creed to figure out, you know, who we needed to get rid of and who we could keep. They came up with this creed as a way to help people and give them quick, easy access to hope and to faith. And that's what the song does for us today. It helps us. It gives us quick, easy access to hope and to faith. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. When we sing the song together, it reminds us quickly, easily, that we can hold tightly to the faith that we affirm, because God can be trusted to keep his promise. He can be trusted that Jesus promised he'd always be with us. He can be trusted that Jesus promised that he would build his church. He can be trusted that Jesus said that he would return again in victory with power and with perfect judgment. And he can be trusted that it's only in Jesus' name that we can be saved. The Apostles' Creed and the song are so important to us as individuals, but to world Christianity. Because it it, it boils everything that we could say. It takes everything that is, is possibly concluded on from the Bible or from just thinking about theology, all that's possible. It brings it right down to what are the essentials. And for, for, 
for however many hundreds of years, almost 2,000 years, Christians from all over the world with all sorts of different practices of their faith, with all sorts of different backgrounds, with their church services looking so different in all different languages, right across any spectrum of the church that you can imagine, everyone has always agreed on that Apostles' Creed. We can all sing that song today. No matter if we have concerns or differences in some areas, we can all believe on those essentials. And if you've been part of that church for a while, you know that that idea of essentials has been really helpful for us. Because there's another statement, and we don't know exactly where it comes from. It might have been St. Augustine in the 4th century. It might have been John Wesley in the 17th century. No one is really sure, but it's helpful and something that we use because it lines up with the approach of the Apostles' Creed. It's in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love. So in essentials, unity, in the creed, in the Apostles' Creed, in the song, the words of the song, we have our unity. And if someone disagrees about these things, that's a conversation worth happening. There have been times in church history when people have had to part ways over those essentials. They are super important to our church. And for us, we've developed just our our own language of essentially saying the same things that we have on our website. This is what we believe. But today I just want to focus to keep it simple on on the creed and on the song. Singing this, I believe, joins us together as a worshiping, believing community. Even though we represent different beliefs and different practices in all sorts of other ways. And we sing and join Christians past and present from all over the world in proclaiming our common faith in Jesus. But then in non-essentials, in anything that's not in the song, we have liberty. And the liberty extends to churches. So, you know, I meet with other pastors in Cairns and, and we share coffee and food together and we share stories and we pray for each other and we love each other. But there is no way I could ever be part of their church. They are weird. Man, they do some weird stuff. They draw some weird conclusions from the Bible that are out and out wrong. And that's what they think about me as well. They're like, oh, thank God we're not at the lakes. But they're all non-essential things. We have unity, but on all the non-essentials, we have liberty. And, and it comes down to an, an individual level, even within our own church as well. So, so you could pick you know, almost any topic that, ex- that takes what's there in the essentials and, and extends it out somewhere else. You know, it could be something about you know, what you believe about the role of modern-day Israel in God's plans. It could be a particular view that you have about end times and, and what God is doing with the world and how things are, are going to happen in the future. It could be that when it comes to sharing the gospel, that it has to be in the way that Billy Graham did it because he was so spot on and so successful in his era. has to be like that or it's not the gospel. Or it could be that the way that Mike Pilavachi talks about and practices spiritual gifts, a guy who's been been to our church before, if you don't do it like that, that that it's wrong, they're all non-essentials. And in all of those things, we personally give each other liberty. You go for it. You pursue it. That's within the whole context of Christianity. But that doesn't mean that we all together have to pursue that. And in all things, love. You know, it doesn't say that in essentials, love. 
It doesn't say, all right, in non-essentials love. It says in all things love. This is critical to everything, whether it's about your relationship with God or your relationship with other people. Because even when it comes down to your relationship with God, in all things love encapsulates God's attitude and God's heart towards you. Your personal forgiveness and salvation from Jesus is dependent on his love. It's not dependent on you memorizing and singing the song. That's not going to do it. This isn't just saying the words that the salvation comes. It's in the attitude of your heart that connects with the attitude of his heart. It's not a, it's not a password, like a secret passphrase. I've sung the song, I'm in. That's not it. And that also means if you're doubting, if you're unsure about some of the th- things that we sing, if you feel like your faith is, is maybe deconstructing in some ways, you can still rely on the love of Christ. Because it's not in the reciting of the creed or the singing of the song or the memorization of it or in the magic words. It's in your devotion to the person of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and others were on trial before the courts in trouble and they stood up and Peter said about Jesus, he said, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Our salvation and our entire lives and our eternities are wrapped up in the name and the person of Jesus. The creed helps us understand him understand how he fits with God in eternity, but it's all wrapped up in Jesus. And so we sing the song, and we're going to sing it together in just a moment. We're about to pray. But when we sing the song, it sums up what we believe together throughout history as the Christian church. And it's helpful, and we can draw on it, and it gives us comfort and confidence and courage. But ultimately, it points to Jesus. And it's about not just a belief in him, but a following of him in our lives. So the expression of love that God gives to us, he gives to us so that we can then give to others. It's not just a mental belief and we're done and and, and we're all good cognitively. Following Jesus is about our whole entire lives and the love that we share with others as well. So the song itself that we're about to sing It's not going to save you and it's not going to transform you, no matter how much you sing it. But the song is super important and we're going to keep singing it because it points us to Jesus and there is complete wholeness and salvation in no one else and nowhere else. So let's pause for a minute. Let's pause and pray and then we're going to sing that song together as we finish our service. Jesus, we thank you that for people that have gone before us, whether it, was, whether it was those guys in the upper room that they first came up with this, whether it was others much later. We thank you for John Dixon and the team at Hillsong for putting the ancient Apostles' Creed into music that we can sing. And Lord, we thank you for a house church underground in Asia that are not allowed to tell anyone publicly that they believe in you, that they can sing this song. 
And we thank you for the very, very traditional Anglican church in Africa who wear the robes and who do the, the, uh, the smelly things and do all the stuff that they can sing this song because they believe in you. And we thank you for the Catholic Church and the Pope with all of the gold and the hammer and the other weird things that they can sing this song, that they believe in you. And I thank you for the person sitting here today who isn't really sure about a lot anymore, who is a bit confused but mainly just kind of di- just disenchanted with the whole thing, that they can still stand and sing that they believe in you, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the unity and the love that we have in you, in your name.